Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Well, if you're happy, Lord, say amen. 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 Hey, I want to thank you all for having me again. Uh, I remember the first time uh, I was asked, Brother Glenn said, hey, you know, can you split the revival with me? And I'd never preached a revival before. I was super nervous about it, could barely preach at that time anyway. And I said, sure, I'll go. But they may never ask me back. And uh, like, I, like you said, I think it's been four or five years uh, since then. Man, God has been good. Amen. Uh, I know that, that you've had a busy year here at Bethlehem. And uh, I know that God has blessed it. Uh, I've talked to a few of the members and and uh, it's really awesome to be able to see the physical growth of God's house. Uh, so again, I want to thank you. I want to thank the people from Cedar Grove Baptist Church for coming. My wife and daughter is here, so we'll hope and pray that she doesn't throw a fit uh, while I'm preaching. But either way, um, tonight, as I was thinking about what to preach, by the way, go ahead and get your Bibles out to uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. It's a very familiar text in God's Word. Um, and as I was uh, pondering and praying and just uh, inquiring in the Lord of, of what to preach, a text that I have heard preached uh, at a Bible conference last year came to my mind and I just could not get away from it. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the man, uh, the pastor named Mike Stone, uh, but he preached this message. And, and uh, so I was like, man, I went to the text. I, I read it again. I prayed over it. And uh, that's what I'm going to be preaching you tonight. The title of my message is this. What are you? Now, I I would hope that we as individuals tonight would self-examine our own our own personal lives and answer the question tonight. What are you or for you saying it to yourself? What am I? Right here in Romans chapter one, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. Some of the greatest scripture in all the Bible. Paul says this, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And then we all know verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Tonight, I would like to ask the question, what are you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the sweet spirit here at this church, God. Well, God, I pray that you allow me to preach with power, liberty, and freedom, God. I pray that you allow me to preach with clarity, God, discernment, Lord. I pray those that have ears to hear, let them hear. And Father, God, I pray we can leave here understanding exactly what our job is as Christians. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 By the way, if you're happy, Lord, say Amen. Amen. I had to get that in there. I do it every year, uh, every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night at, at Cedar Grove. But either way, uh, what are you? Now, here we see Paul uh, say three statements that are very telling. Now, I don't know if you know who Paul is, and I hope you do, but we all know who the Apostle Paul is. Probably one of the greatest evangelists, the greatest missionaries outside of Jesus Christ who has ever walked the earth. That is the Apostle Paul, and he is writing this here to us believers. By the way, if you are a believer tonight, that means he is writing this to you tonight. God's word is as relevant as it was when it was written. Amen, church. There is no progressivism. There is there is no contemporary mess that can get out of the fact that God's word still changes and saves lives today. So here we see three statements and I want to break those statements down for you. And I'm not going to keep you too, too long unless I 
do. And then if I do, then I apologize. But we're going to look at the three statements. First off, we see in verse 14, it says, I am debtor. And then in verse 15, it says, I am ready. And in verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed. How can we as believers say and proclaim those same things? So right here in verse 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. See, he was debtor because he had a mercy that he wanted to repay. Now, you do understand that mercy is obtaining something that you did not deserve. I want you to understand that you were born with a thing called a sin nature. Therefore, you were separated with fellowship of God. You were condemned already. But Jesus Christ came to earth, died on the cross for our sins, rose again the third day. And through him, we have victory and salvation. That is mercy because we do not deserve it. See, Paul here, he has already obtained mercy. You know what mercy does in a believer's life? Mercy and understanding mercy wants you and I to show mercy to others. See, in order to do that, he also had an obligation to share the gospel because he has received that mercy through the gospel. He felt an obligation to share the gospel. And you can tell, by the way, first off, he remembered his conversion. Everyone go back to verse one of Romans chapter one. I'm going to read one word. Is everyone with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Stay with me. I'm going to read one word. It's Paul. Everyone say Paul. Now, we are so used to reading scripture that Paul wrote because he wrote so much. But could you imagine being Paul and being able to write the name Paul when you introduced yourself in a letter? You say, preacher, I don't understand. I can't follow. Paul was not always Paul. The first time we see Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus. The first time we see Saul of Tarsus, he was persecuting the church. As a matter of fact, in Acts, he was the one holding the coats and the cloaks of those who was stoning the deacon Stephen for preaching the word. That was Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, then he went, he went down to the road of Damascus. Why was he going there? He was going to persecute and to kill Christians. And then he met Jesus on the road. He remembered his conversion. See, Jesus came and he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And I'm telling you right now, the world has never been the same because of the testimony and the faith of the apostle Paul. But he remembered it. He didn't just write Paul thinking, oh, I'm just going to take that for granted. See, I I believe some people have been saved for too long. You say, what are you talking about? Now, again, bear with me here. Some people that they get saved and they've been saved for a long time and they've been saved for years and years and years. And they've been going to church and going through the motions and going through the motions. They forget what they once was before Christ. Some people get saved at a young age and, and, and they know Christ and they know salvation. But, but when, as they grow up and maybe they're good old church folks and yeah, they sin, but they've stayed on the straight and narrow because they met Jesus at a young age. It's hard for people like that to remember what they once were. You are not always a faithful church member. 
Now, I don't know about your testimony. You, you may not always have been a Sunday school teacher. We were not always pastors. Folks, we were not always believers in Christ. We need to understand that our obligation to share the gospel can be motivated by what we have seen ourselves being and now what we are. He remembered his conversion. Saul to Paul. Look right there, Paul. Now, how does he recognize himself? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about that. That's a pretty humble thing to say as the apostle Paul. Did you know that you are a servant of Jesus Christ also if you are born again? Do you know that a servant, the word servant, that is an action word. To serve is an action. Let me tell you what is not serving. Serving is not sitting in a pew on Sunday listening to a message hollering amen, then going to lunch. Serving is not just praying necessarily for somebody, but never actually going to that somebody and showing them the mercy and love of Jesus. Serving is not just having good intentions. I played basketball uh, throughout high school, and I had this really bad habit of goofing off in practice. And, and Has anyone ever played sports? Yeah? Awesome. That's good stuff. So you know that in practice is the worst place to goof off. Number one, that's the worst place to find game time if you're going to goof off. But number two, you just kind of get a bad uh, feeling about yourself because you make everybody run the entire time. Nobody likes you. You have no friends on the team. It's just one of those kind of things. That's, that was my role. I just every, Everyone disliked me because I would goof off or try to dunk it when I was, you know, couldn't dunk, obviously. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we would have to run. But let me, let me just explain something to you. When I was playing basketball and we say, well, when, when you serve, when you serve, you have to be a part of what you are doing. There are two types of Christians. There are soul winners and they are rebels. So what was Paul's entire thing? Paul's entire life was dedicated to bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. He would preach to whoever would listen. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. Folks, do you serve? Do you serve Christ? But not only that, he, he, he recognized his calling. Look, he said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. See, we can also go back and remember our conversion and the fact that we were once in the darkness and God called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Therefore, we are now called to a greater mission in life than somebody who is unsaved. Let me explain something to you. I don't know if you keep up with 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 world stuff and I, I we don't have the news and I deleted Facebook because that's just ridiculous and all that good stuff. I don't have an Instagram. I definitely don't have no TikTok. If you got a, if you got a TikTok, you can repent right now before God and you can get back right with him. That's just ridiculous. But I don't have none of that stuff because I'm just going to let you know when I see all that stuff and when I see everything going on, what, what that does to me is that it's, it's so easy to to get stuck into that. But we got to understand that our calling is to be different. Our calling is to be separated. Our calling is to be a peculiar people. That means we are to be spiritual weirdos. 
We are to be people that they look at each, they look at us and say, what is wrong with them? How could they be going through a pandemic? How could they be going through that tragedy? How could they be doing all that stuff? But still rejoicing and still happy and still joyful. Well, I'll tell you how. Jesus Christ. Amen. We are separated unto the gospel. He recognized his calling. And in doing so, that that fueled that fueled his obligation to share the gospel. So tonight, are you a soul winner or are you a rebel? By the way, I want to say something right here real quick and just kind of a little commercial. And, and, I, and I've really thought about this a whole lot. But I am not a big believer in relational evangelism. You say, what are you talking about? I believe that we have taken the notion that, well, I got to get to know the person. I want to be their friend. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I got to do all this. I got to spend a year, two, three years being their friend before I can share the gospel with them. Folks, can I tell you something? We better start getting aggressive with the gospel because people are not getting saved according to us hanging out with them. People will not get saved according to us going to dinner with them or going to lunch with them on a Sunday. People are going to get saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ only. So he had an obligation to share the gospel. He was a debtor. But also, not only that, but he was also, uh, he had a mandate that he wanted to obey. Look at verse 15. It says, so as much as is in me is, I am ready to. To preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. We see a lot of details here that we would just look past if we're just reading as quick as possible here. We need to slow down and understand what Paul is saying. What he is saying here is, is that he had a part to play in this mission. Right here he said, I am ready. So as much as in me is. God, everything that I have, everything that I am, I am ready. I am ready to preach the gospel. See, he had a part to play. You do realize that you have a part to play. That goes along with serving. You say, well, I don't know why churches are are dying. I don't know why churches are not growing. I don't know why churches are getting so stagnant. Because everybody looks for somebody else to play their part when they don't want to play their own part. You do realize that in a church, uh, we have these things called grace gifts. And a grace gift is given to each personal Christian. Maybe one, maybe multiple ones, but you have at least one grace gift. And that grace gift is to be used entirely to edify the church and to lead others to Christ. That's it. But see, when we don't all go together, it's just like back to the basketball illustration. When I'm over here goofing off. Right. When I'm over here trying to spin the ball on my finger or try to try to, you know, uh, throw it off the backboard and slap the backboard on a layup and all that stuff because I couldn't I couldn't jump. It just wasn't in my genetics. All this stuff. You know, when I was doing that, I, I wasn't playing my part and the, the, the team struggled. My, my, my brothers in, in that basketball perspective, they struggled. Folks, you know why the church is struggling? Because nobody's working. You know, you know why the churches are not growing? Because no one's going out. No one feels an obligation to share. He had a part to play, but also he had a place to preach. Look, he said to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. 
Now, I love that right here. You say, well, that's a that's a cool thing. There was a specific people and specific place. You say, well, I don't really have a specific people. Let me just tell you something. I, I know you got a specific place. If you work, you have a specific mission field. If you go to school, you have a specific mission field. By the way, your home could very well be a mission field. Do not tell yourself or tell me that you do not have a place to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, you can share Jesus. But not only that, we see right here to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. Also, he had a part to play. He had a place to preach, but he also had a price to pay. See, Rome, there was going to be a lot of hostility in Rome. Paul knew that when he got to Rome, he would face persecution like he's never faced before. Paul knew that that in Rome, Christians were being persecuted. Christians were not being treated well. It was very hard to be a Christian in Rome, but he did not care about that because he's the one that wrote that I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, he's already dead. So how can you threaten a dead person with killing him? Paul had a price to pay. Now, Paul's price might be a little bit heavier than your price. But when you share the gospel, when you understand that you're obligated, folks, you have a price to pay, too. A lot of times what keeps us from being evangelical in our minds, by the way, everyone can do the work of of an evangelist. Yes, there are evangelists that are called and, and, and set apart, but there's also the ministry of evangelism that we can all do. And what keeps people from that is the fear of the pay. The fear of the cost, maybe the fear of losing loved ones because you go to them and you offend them with the light in their darkness. Maybe the fear of of not being not being as accepted at work because you go in there as the Jesus freak. Maybe the fear of of failing. Can I tell you something? As long as you tell them what Jesus has done in your life and how he has changed you and saved you, reserved you and kept you. You cannot fail because Jesus hasn't ever failed. There is a price to pay. See, for Paul, chains and afflictions was waiting. Tomorrow night, I'm praying about what I'm going to preach, but I I think I know what I'm going to preach. And I'm here to tell you that the the price to pay for being a Christian, if not soon, then, then very soon, will increase in our lives. The days of just being a Christian and being able to do what we want and how we want to do it and be as apathetic as we want about it and just come into our churches and have our freedoms. It very well could come to an end soon. The world could come to an all out attack on the church. They're already paving the way for it. It is happening. It is the plan. God is going to allow it because God is going to see us through. We have to understand there's a price to pay. Folks, if we can't even pay the little petty prices that we have now, how in the world are we going to pay the price if the price that we had to pay is like what Paul had to pay? I tell my church all the time, I don't want to go to jail. I don't know why you would. That's just an insane thing to want to go to jail. I heard a friend one time say, man, I'm trying to go to jail, man. They get free meals. I'm like, listen here, buddy. That is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. I will pay for a meal every day if it means not going to jail. But listen, hey, it may come to a time to where this right here that we're doing right here, even in Mudlick, Kentucky, could be, could be considered a hate crime. 
What we're doing right here could be considered uh, against the law because it's not inclusive. It's not not sensitive. It's not politically correct. It offends people. It it scares those that don't love Jesus because when people love Jesus, they share Jesus. Therefore, more people love Jesus and more people and more people. And if the church was doing what it should be doing, our nation would be in a greater state because the church would be running it. Period. So if you're not willing to pay the price now, don't think you're going to be willing to later. Folks, listen, when 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 it all goes down, I just want you to know if you're lukewarm, you'll be gone. So he had a mandate that he wanted to obey. But also in verse 16, he had a message that he wanted to convey. Look at this. I love it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, I want, to, I want you to notice two words here. I want you to notice thee and it. It says right here, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want you to understand that he spoke because he was not ashamed And he was not ashamed because he had the truth. Notice that when it says thee and it, that means that the only thing that has the power of God unto salvation is the gospel of Christ. You're going to have people to tell you, well, I can get me and God have our own thing. Me and Jesus have our own deal. I've I've spoken to the Lord and, and we have a little thing going. What that means is they just told you they're going to hell when they die. Because if you have salvation differently than I have salvation, if you believe in the gospel different than what the gospel actually is that I believe in, I'm here to tell you, you better get right or you're going to hell. Amen. That's the only option. People say, well, I'm going to try to do good, uh, enough good things. Uh, I'm, or, or churches are even bad about it. Well, how do we get people saved? Well, let's add, let's add programs. Let's add this. So let's add that. Or let's make sure we have this and, and a smoke machine and, and make sure that it's dark and all this thing. I, I think it's funny how churches these days kind of set the scene for what I would think would be judgment and hell. Smoke and darkness. And you see it all the time in a church. They say, well, this is going to gather people in. This is going to get people in and, 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 and we'll grow and we'll grow financially and we'll grow in numbers and we'll grow on paper and all this stuff. Let me just tell you something. I don't care. I want to grow. And, and as long as we continue to share the gospel and continue to obey the word, I believe and I can guarantee it that we will grow. But I will not grow according to anything but the gospel. Amen. Folks, you know how easy it would be to get up here and, and just just encourage you. Just get up here and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Just keep on keeping on. Just, just, just do whatever you want. Your sin in your life. Hey, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, God is going to forgive you anyway because we have a loving God. Don't, don't, don't worry about repentance. Don't worry about any kind of sanctification. God is going to take you just as you are. What they, what they seem to neglect in God's word is God will take you just as you are, but it is to change you and make you a new creature. Therefore, you are completely changed. 
So when people come into the church, let's say a lost person comes into the church, they can come just as at Cedar Grove Baptist Church. They can come just as they are at Bethlehem Church. They can come just as they are. But when God gets a hold of them, when God, when the spirit of the living God draws them unto Christ and they receive him as their Lord and Savior. Let me just tell you something. They're going to walk out that door changed. By the way, the Bible says in first John that if you love God, it's not going to be grievous to obey his commandments. I believe we have a lot of people that say they love God, but deep down they do not love God. They love the idea of God. But right here he had a message. Why he spoke was because he was not ashamed. And what he shared was the gospel, only one. And who did he, who did he look after? Who did he look for? Well, it says right here, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What he's saying here in an old school way is, Everybody. I am ready to preach the gospel to everybody. Why? Because I am a debtor and I am not ashamed of the salvation that I received in Christ. I do want to tell you that I am burdened by the lack of service and the lack of urgency in the church. I am, bur- and this is a, and, and again, this is a good crowd for a Tuesday night revival, and I appreciate everyone being here. But I wonder if the people that are here tonight would truly self-examine themselves. Maybe you need to remember your conversion. Maybe you need tonight to, to, to look back at what you once was, not, not to look back and become distressed, not to look back and to put yourself back in that bondage, but to look back so you can appreciate where God has brought you. Because let me just tell you something, when you forget about what God has done, then you're not going to do nothing for him. You know what keeps me motivated to continue to preach? And, and you say, well, well, you're called to preach. You should love preaching. Let me just tell you something. It gets kind of tiring preaching to people who don't listen. Amen, preacher. Amen. Amen. You say, well, we listen every single time. I, I didn't talk about you. If you, get, if you got offended by that, that means you don't listen. <laughs> Open your ears. But people all the time tell me, hey, how, how could you, how, it gets tiring. How could you continue to try to start things and, and it doesn't get finished? And how do you, how do you continue to, 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 Pray for that person. How do you continue to keep on uh, answering the phone calls? Or how do you keep on continuing to counsel that person when you know they're not listening? They just want to feel better for a while so they can go back doing exactly what they're doing. How in the world can you keep doing that? Because I know where I've come from. You say, well, Jacob, and my, my dad always times says, well, Jacob, you weren't that bad of a kid. Let me just tell you something. A little sin would have sent me to hell, and I had a lot of little sins. Brother Glenn, even because, you know, Brother Glenn, the heathen he was before he got saved, you know what I'm saying? But either way, he'll tell you that I didn't just I didn't just gossip about him. That's how it was. But see, Brother Glenn, he always time tells me and he says, Jacob, you all the time preach that before you got saved, you were this heathen and pagan and 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 just just a terrible sinner. He said, I've known you your entire life. You weren't a bad kid. I want to explain to you. I can look back at what I was before Christ and I can appreciate the fact that I'm not like that anymore. That's all I got to say. Now, your story may be different. Your story might be a little bit more intense. Your story might be a little bit less intense, whatever it is. All I'm saying is maybe tonight you need to look back at Calvary, look back at your conversion and thank God for what he has done for you. And then in doing so, realize because of the mercy that I have received from God, therefore, I'm going to show mercy to others by sharing them the gospel. 
Folks, you do know people think that people think that uh, people are going to come to them. The way the church shares the gospel, it'd be like this. It'd be like someone. We think someone's going to come up to us and say, man, I have seen in your life that you were once a sinner. And now you're not now. Now you are saved. And, and, and God, Jesus came to earth and died on the cross for our sins. And he rose again the third day. And you received that. And, and man, would you lead me to Christ? Let me just tell you something. That's probably not going to happen. So in doing so, we better get busy and understanding what mercy is and how we receive mercy. We better get busy to go out there and to recognize our calling to share the gospel. Evangelism is a commandment. See, Proverbs 1130 says he who wins souls is wise. Uh, It's called fishers of men in the gospels. Evangelism literally means to bring the good tidings and the good news of the gospel. Sharing the faith in Acts chapter one, verse eight and the gospels. It's called the Great Commission. We are commanded to share. We are commanded. We are debtors and we better be ready. And I pray that we're not ashamed. So tonight, I wonder if you can answer the question, what are you? Are you just a pew filler? Are you just a motion goer? Or you like Paul in the fact of, and I know you say, well, Paul, that's a, that's a heavy order right there. It absolutely is. But you do understand Paul called himself the chief of sinners. But when Jesus came in and, and saved him and changed his life, folks, because of his faith, I was going to tell you, his faith has increased and strengthened my faith. Amen. And as a matter of fact, it's funny because verse 17 says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I want you to know here tonight, if you are a Christian, if you're a born again believer and you need to get busy for the Lord. I pray that you repent of the laziness and you say, well, that's a lot of strong words there. Can I tell you something? I've had to do the same thing. And maybe you're here tonight and you're lost. And if you died right now, you go to hell I want you to know that you are not a better sinner than Jesus is a savior. And tonight you can turn to him and be saved. So with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this place, all over this place. Tonight, I just wonder if you'd answer that question. What are you? What are you? I'm going to ask you not to worry about what's going on around you. I'm going to ask you not to worry about. Uh, maybe even just a prayer request right now. And yes, we ought to pray for others. We ought to pray for the lost. But but the, the, the reason that the lost people are not getting saved is not because of them. They're they're lost. They're acting lost. They're they are living within their sin nature. They're living within their their unsaved nature. The reason why we aren't seeing people saved is because of us. We're not being intentional. We're not being deliberate. We don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So tonight, I wonder if you could answer the question, what are you? Just ask yourself tonight, what am I? Am I a debtor? Am I ready and am I ashamed or am I not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? And folks, I just want to tell you, the answer to that question will be lived out, not spoken. Father, I thank you for this night. Lord God, I thank you for your word. And Lord God, as I, as I pray that if I, as I give this service over to Brother Paul, God, that you just continue to work, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that even 
If we don't see a harvest tonight, God, I pray that the seed has been planted, the, 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 the fire has been ignited under the Christians, Lord God. And I pray that we go out from where we are now. We go out from this church, God. We go out from this little God's house, God. And we go out with an obligation to share the gospel. We go out with a mandate to obey. And we go out with a message to convey, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who's lost, they don't leave here lost. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.